Welcome to our second podcast of 2018. You're currently listening to the podcast of Tech.eu, which is Europe's premier uh, technology industry information portal and market intelligence platform. My name is Robin Waldus. I'm the founder and editor of Tech.eu. And I like to use this podcast to discuss uh, recent noteworthy news from European startups, investment firms, and governments alike. And also regularly feature interesting entrepreneurs and investors from across the continent. And today we are featuring an interesting interview with Felix Peterson, who's a serial entrepreneur turned angel investor turned head of Samsung Next in Europe, uh, which basically means that he takes care of startup relations, investments, and even acquisitions on behalf of Samsung in these parts. In fact, uh, Felix will also be joining us next Sunday, 25 February in Barcelona, uh, where we are once again hosting Mobile Sunday, uh, which is a great networking event in a beautiful setting ahead of the Mobile World Congress and Four Years From Now conference in Barcelona. So if you happen to be in town, you can still buy tickets for the event. Uh, you'll have to be quick as we're almost at capacity. The website that you're looking for is mobilesundaybarcelona.com. That's mobilesundaybarcelona.com. But before we listen to the interview, here is an overview of some recent European tech news that I thought was uh, remarkable enough to warrant a second or closer look. First up, a German consumer rights group has recently said that a Berlin-based court has found Facebook's use of personal data to be illegal because the American social networking giant did not adequately secure the informed consent of its users. Under German law, personal information can only be recorded and used by a company with explicit agreement from the individual. But the Berlin judges ruled Facebook leaves too many settings switched on by default, which fails to offer users a meaningful choice about how their data is used. Uh, and of course, Facebook said it would appeal the decision. But only a week after that news came the news that a Belgian court has threatened Facebook with a fine of up to 100 million euros, that's $125 million, if it continued to break privacy laws by tracking people on third-party websites. In the case, uh, which was brought by Belgium's uh, privacy watchdog, the court also ruled that Facebook had to delete all the data that it gathered illegally on Belgian citizens, including people who were not Facebook users themselves. So that's uh, some of the problems that Facebook has been dealing with recently in Europe, and it doesn't look like they've seen the last of it. In fact, Germany, along with France, uh, recently intensified calls for U.S. technology giants to pay more tax in the European Union, with Paris saying that the new bill could amount to billions of euros, and that's just for one country. Uh, French finance minister uh, Bruno Le Maire said he wanted the EU to adopt new rules on taxing digital companies next year, while in Germany, the two parties seeking to form the next government said they wanted a new Europe-wide corporate tax system to stamp out multinational tax avoidance. Of course, such a thing wouldn't only impact Facebook, but also the likes of Google, Amazon and Apple, among many others. To be continued for sure. In other news, Iceland is expected to use more energy mining bitcoins and other virtual currencies this year than it uses to power its own homes. With massive amounts of electricity needed to run the computers that create bitcoins, large virtual currency companies have established a base in the island nation, which is blessed, of course, with an abundance of renewable energy and a natural cooling. The new industry's relatively sudden growth has prompted lawmaker Smarty McCarthy of Iceland's Pirate Party to suggest taxing the profits of those bitcoin mines. 
But that's a very interesting development. Uh, meanwhile, the European Commission has announced a review of Apple's acquisition of music discovery service Shazam, uh, agreeing to a request that was made by several countries to weigh competition concerns. Apple officially announced that it was buying UK tech veteran Shazam back in December. It did not disclose the price tag for the deal, but reports suggest that it's paying in the region of $400 million. Now, in a press release, the European Commission recently said it has accepted a request by seven European countries to assess the proposed acquisition, which it says may threaten to adversely affect competition in the European economic area. Austria has made the initial request, which was later joined by Iceland, Italy, France, Norway, Spain, and Sweden. And we'll be keeping an eye out for what comes next. Uh, we'll be back with a bit more news and some interesting funding rounds for European tech companies. But first, let's listen to my recent interview with Felix Peterson, who is the managing director for all of Samsung Next activity here in Europe. I ran into him at the TechChill conference in Riga, Latvia, and we had an interesting conversation. Uh, he'll also be on stage at Mobile Sunday in Barcelona, as I mentioned earlier, and he's also kindly agreed to deliver a keynote at the upcoming Ant Festival in Leuven, Belgium, uh, which is happening uh, 2 to 5 May. More information is available on antleuven.com. That's A-N-D-L-E-U-V-E-N.com. Hey, this is Robin from TechU, and I'm here in Riga, Latvia, for the TechShield conference. I'm sitting down with Felix Peterson, ex-entrepreneur turned investor, now heading Samsung Next investment arm in Europe. Hi, Felix. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Nice to be here. Can you uh, elaborate on what Samsung Next actually is? Yeah, so Samsung Next is an entity of Samsung that helps Samsung source innovation. Samsung is very good at hardware, obviously, uh, but we're really focusing on software and services. So we're interacting with startups in different ways and help them to collaborate with Samsung. So we can invest. We do C to Series B. We can acquire companies. So we do M&A. And we can help you um, facilitate commercial relationships with Samsung. So we have a big team in Korea also trying to help you forge partnerships. Great. Is this a new unit or uh, is it just new in Europe? Uh, it's about four years old. Originally started in Silicon Valley and then there's offices in New York and uh, in Israel. And last year we started in Europe. Right. And how big is your team now in Europe? Uh, we're about 10 people now, uh, mostly investment professionals and uh, marketing and, you know, trying to really forge ties with the community in, in, in Europe and leverage the network that, you know, um, the members of the team already had and sort of tie that into, um, uh, into Samsung Next. Right. And how do you go about building out this activity in Europe? Do you usually uh, make liaisons with other investors across Europe? Do you uh, look for deal flow with, uh, with startups directly? Do you go to conferences? Like, how, how do you go about this? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. It's, it's really, uh, we really think about it as community building. And that community is entrepreneurs, you know, whether they're seeking funding right now or not. I mean, this is a relationship game where, you know, you forge uh, long-term relationships and ties. And I think you know, in Korea and Europe, that's something that's very appreciated. It's not about just the deal in the moment. So it's a whole ecosystem of people from, you know, journalists, community leaders, you know, people that are just, you know, stepping up to do something cool and, and want to bring their geography forward um, to obviously co-investors, bigger ones, smaller ones, uh, other corporates, corporate innovation units, um, it's a, it's a very diverse uh, ecosystem these days in Europe. And from your perspective, where is the most interesting geography right now? What are some of the regions that you're most keen on you know, finding startups in? 
can't say. I mean, for me, really, it is Europe. Um, I know it's, it sounds very American to say, hey, you know, Europe as a geography. But, you know, I've been part of Berlin as an ecosystem from the very beginning. I've moved to Lisbon when it was just starting out. I've really take pride in, you know, having explored even the fringes of, of, of Europe. I mean, I've been to pretty much every place and interacted with most sort of ecosystems directly. So for me, it is increasingly really becoming Europe. I mean, the data backs that up that there's a lot of cross-border activity these days. Of course, you have hotbeds for certain things, you know, like fintech in Germany and, and the UK and, you know, and then, um, but now you also have truly new global phenomenons like, like crypto, which, which is really not tied to one geography anymore. And it's not just innovation coming out of Silicon Valley. It comes out of Berlin, out of Switzerland, uh, UK, lots of different places. So I think increasingly we see Europe growing together as, as, as really one ecosystem. As capital is getting more mobile, so VCs are traveling more and more and they're actually going, especially the seed funds, they're really going to where the good companies are and they're not just investing in their geography anymore. So you get very active, but also, of course, founders. They go, if they're in fundraising mode, they go to wherever it's needed. At the same time, and I think this is kind of new, they stay where they are to build product. Because if you raise just your seed funding and, and you're a small company, you kind of need to stay where you're most comfortable building. And there was this time where people told you, you have to move to Berlin or you have to move to London or you have to move to Silicon Valley. That's over. You have to go there to fundraise and to build a bridge. But if your buddies from university, they're all from the University of Riga and you're here and um, this is where you can, you know, with low friction and little money build cool product, then people are staying. And I think that's a good thing. Um, but it, now you actually have then access to capital. If you have traction, you know, what's your, what's your oyster, basically? Right. Um, so you mentioned a few verticals, uh, crypto. Is that something that you're looking at specifically or are there other categories that you are interested in? Well, we're generally interested in anything that has the potential to transform Samsung and Samsung products in a horizon of like two to 10 years. So we're looking at software and service innovation, lots of AI, of course, AR, VR companies, uh, e-health, very keen on sort of decentralization and blockchain, potentially transforming production, supply chains, um, communications, pretty much everything. Yeah, Could be, a little bit you know, of everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if there is a one big fundamental a paradigm shift that could happen in the next five to 10 years. It's it's really this new stack being built around decentralized technologies and around blockchain. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's like one of the really big things. And the other mega trend that I think we're looking at is sort of like a new way of to do computing, really new, fundamentally new interfaces, a mix of AR and AI, really fundamentally changing the way how we access technology. And I think for Samsung, both of that is highly relevant. Of course, there's still a lot of incremental improvement in business models that we've seen over the last emerge over the last 10 years. And there's still always a lot of room for improvement and mm. machine learning has optimized a lot of the existing services. So of course, we also look at that and invest, but if it's too really fundamental things that we're seeing right now, then I would say it's decentralization and sort of new interfaces. Great answer. Thank you. Uh, going back to the entrepreneurs, because you've been around the block a few times. So you've been a founder, you were an angel investor uh, before you joined uh, Samsung Next. Do you find that the founders in Europe today are more ambitious and more smart about uh, fundraising and then building sustainable businesses than they used to be? Yeah. And I don't know if they're smarter. It's just, you know, how you in by building software, 
these days, you don't need to build a full stack anymore, right? So, I mean, when I started Places, we had to build our own maps. We had to build our own just system. We had to, you know, basically do everything ourselves. When we built Amen, we had to build, you know, our own our own feed messaging system. And it was tough to scale. And all, for all of that now exists uh, open source frameworks. You know, it's really just more about your idea. And a lot of the, the sort of the plumbing is taken care of. And I think it's the same when it comes to funding and building a company. You have accelerators. You have, you know, open source term sheets, you know, published on blogs, you have excellent blogs, excellent books. I mean, you know, it's really not what I said earlier. If you have traction and if your product works, you can find a smart mentor in your geography. You know, no matter where you are in Europe, you'll find someone who's been around the block and who can tell you like, don't do this. This is stupid. This is smart money. They make you the right intros. So you have two, three quality angel investors. They will introduce you to the two, three, four, five, ten quality funds that you need to talk to. So, I mean, honestly speaking, it's really not that hard anymore. When, when I raised money 2004 for, for places, we had to, we were the first VC money from, from the US investing in Berlin. And people were like, Hey, you know, what, what's, what's like, they didn't, they, they were really afraid to, to invest in a German company because they didn't know the regulatory framework. They didn't know what a German GmbH was and all this stuff. So in the end, it was a fund from the US that invested in explicitly international companies because all the others were like, Oh, we really like what you're doing, but you need to move to Silicon Valley. Yeah. I mean, that's completely over. And it's not rocket science anymore. And that's great because as a founder, you really only have to concentrate on your idea and your product. And if that works, then the rest really is, it's not rocket science. Great. Well, thank you, Felix. Uh, next time we'll see each other, we'll probably be in Belgium. Uh, yep. Probably you'll speak at the Ant uh, Festival and Summit in Leuven, 2 to 5 May. What do you hope to get out of the conference? What are you going to talk about? Well, I mean, from, I mean, it's the first time. So obviously I haven't been because it's the first time this, this happens. And, um, I'm excited about it. Like what, what, uh, what I learned is, you know, that it's really a combination of tech and, and culture and art and music. And I, I like that idea because, you know, it's tech is not happening in a, in a vacuum. So I think it's, it's really important. And especially coming from Berlin. Of course, the cultural <laughs> side of things has has played a really big role in attracting people to Berlin and, and building the tech ecosystem in Berlin. Well, great that you're coming to Belgium. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope you stay for the weekend as well. A I few will. good concerts. <laughs> Thank you, Felix, and sure. best of luck with Samsung Next. Thanks. And now for some recent happy news for D Dutch fintech giant Adyen. eBay has recently said that it has signed up Adyen as its new primary payment processor, notably replacing PayPal, which it used to own eBay said it will start processing payments globally uh, using the Dutch payments company's technology, uh, allowing its users to remain on the eBay website when checking out. eBay accounted for roughly 13% of total payments processed by PayPal, so that's a really, really big coup for uh, Adyen indeed. And now for some interesting financing rounds that we've monitored over the past few months. The first one I'd like to highlight is Berlin-based urban farming startup InFarm, which has secured a $25 million Series A funding round led by Balderton Capital. InFarm basically builds in-store farming units and software to manage the growth of crops. It currently has more than 50 farms running around Berlin in supermarkets, restaurants, but also warehouses. Uh, the startup has even placed its farm in German supermarket chains like Metro and Edeka, which are really big ones in Germany, if you don't know. Uh, InFarm claims that one of its units can have an output of about 1,200 plants a month. That the farms are managed by the company's own platform for monitoring thousands of different data points and personalizing the farm to respective needs. 
With its new funds, the company plans to further its Berlin-based R&D center and launch operations in more German cities as well as Paris, London, and Copenhagen, and eventually the US. Secondly, I'd like to feature Danish-founded Vivino, uh, which is the online wine marketplace I'm sure you know. They've raised $20 million in a Series C round led by SCP Neptune International. Um, that's not a super familiar name, but it's the investment firm of Christophe Navarre, who is the former CEO of Mohen Hennessy. According to the company, it now has 29 million users on its e-commerce service for buying and reviewing wine, with sales quadrupling uh, between 2016 and 2017. Uh, sales and recommendations on wine are powered by data, that, which is collected and analyzed from each user individually. Over in Finland, meanwhile, Helsinki-based gaming company Small Giant Games has raised $41 million led by EQT Ventures with participation from Random, Spintop Ventures, and ProFounders. The company will use the new funds to expand its developer and graphic design team with a view to reaching international markets with its Empires and Puzzle RPG game and forthcoming titles. Empire and Puzzles generated revenues of about $33 million in 2017 with 10 million players globally. And then we travel all the way to France, where Prophecy, the Paris-based machine vision startup formerly known as Chronocam, has raised $19 million in initial funding for its Series B round, which was led by an unnamed investor from the electronics industry, along with Intel Capital, Renault Group, Robert Bosch Venture Capital, and a couple of others. The startup's machine vision technology, which mimics the human eye and brain and processes up to 100,000 frames per second, uh, basically allows cameras and sensors to pick up on details in fast-moving or challenging environments. It's being applied in use cases like robotics, uh, autonomous vehicles, and IoT. But we're mostly interested in who the mystery lead investor is. If you know, feel free to tell us. And finally, we have Victor which is an online marketplace for booking private jet charter trips. Uh, they've raised uh, $18 million from BBA uh, Aviation and BP Ventures. The company and its investors have now established a new company called Alyssum Group, which is basically an umbrella organization for boosting the aviation business ecosystem. Uh, Alyssum Group, uh, which is based in London, will be led by Victor founder and CEO Clive Jackson and will be a key player among its investors in the aviation industry allowing for a connected ecosystem for better efficiency and sharing of business intelligence. That's it for this edition. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon with a new episode. Uh, in the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Tell all your friends and enemies about it and follow us on Twitter. We're at tech underscore EU. And we're also on Facebook for regular updates on all things European tech. Thank you so much for listening. This is Robin Waters checking out. Ciao.